Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. John, I want Savage and Monsoon and a top-down car trying to jump over a sarcasm. <laughs> Oh, please do. Hey, I'm ready. Yeah, right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads continue the road to the biggest event of the calendar year. That's right, another show out of Saudi Arabia. We are here via our Icapro-powered DeLorean, many, many miles away from a big show of the year, and many, many miles away from Saudi Arabia. But who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, a former cultaholic heavyweight champion, Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, head pen of cultaholic the man, who simply does not need a pencil from anybody. He needs a pen. He gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. How you doing there, Tommy? I'm doing great. And Joe, you know who else is here this week? Is it Barry the Shark? No, Barry doesn't work weekends. It's strictly written into his contract. Uh, no one else is here this week. Oh, that's, I feel that's like true. Had, I feel like we've had a nice run of, of celebrity guests, but it's nice to... To be just me and thee again. Yeah, so because of budget cuts, we can't have more people on. And um, it was either this or we let Sam go. Yeah, and, and we certainly considered both options. Yeah, I mean, who thank God it landed on tails, huh? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Oh, oh, what fun we're having already. So if you're the first time here, <laughs> if it's the first time you are with us, this is what we do. We go back uh, in time to watch old episodes of Monday Night Raw. In fact, for 68 weeks now, next week should be a dirty number. We have been watching nice. every episode. I know, right? Uh, we have been watching every single episode of Monday Night Raw from its very inception until my demise uh, in months to come or the end of Raw whatever comes first uh we find ourselves deep in 1994 and we're gonna have a little before we go into the show today this week's episode of monday night raw uh we're gonna have a little deep dive into what happened uh, around the wrestling landscape but before we do that justin henry where and when are we well it is the second part of a three-part taping this is it aired on monday june 27th 1994 taped one week earlier from the Westchester County Civic Center in White Plains, New York. Nice, nice location. Seem to be quite. They seem to be quite happy here. Seems like a nice little venue. I do like it. It is kind of mid-sized. It says here there was thirty-four hundred fans there. Sellout, albeit heavily papered. 
which wouldn't that be a contradiction? Yeah, so therefore it's not a sellout. I guess you'd argue that there isn't a seat in the house that doesn't have a bum on it. Well, no, because you've papered it. Well, you think it'd be kind of hard to pull people away from their TVs when the, the onset of the O.J. Simpson murder trial that was going on at this time? Yes. See, here I am making topical references. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, they do reckon that the... the oj simpson trial has drawn a lot of eyes away from lots of traditional media at this point i think that i i seem to have read from the observer that quite a few tv shows have taken little dips in ratings because people are so glued to the oj simpson trial and there's a story jim Cornette tells about how it actually um how it actually cut into smoky mountain business at one point really yeah i i can't remember the exact context but i know he's disgusted he says oj simpson owes me the x amount of dollars for you know uh harming this show it may have been the night of the chase itself because people were glued to their tvs you know just because you know, because i mean no one knew how it was going to end with uh, him being chased down the freeway by a, a fleet of cop cars with his friend al cowling's driving the white bronco it was i was 10 years old on that and i knew i was seeing some serious stuff here it felt important didn't it i mean i wasn't much older than yourself and i remember feeling like this is this is a big thing this feels even in, in the uk it's felt like a big thing yeah, I mean, I knew OJ as, at that point, the sideline reporter for the NFL and NBC. Like, like he was just, seemed like a nice guy on TV. I had no frame, frame of reference of, of him as a as an active player. That was before my time. But I knew him as just this gregarious, friendly sideline reporter and occasional commentator. And now here he is being charged with a double, double homicide and running from the cops. And it's just like, trying to wrap my mind around that was weird. Just didn't feel real at all. Uh in the wrestling world, um, I mean, in the wrestling world, the O.J. Simpson, Simpson trial seems like a, a breath of fresh air because the King of the Ring has just bombed. Mm. All the ratings are out, and it drew a 0.73 buy rate, by far the lowest in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. See, if they just plugged Art Donovan harder. <laughs> Is that the big failing, do you think? A distinct lack of promotion for Art Donovan. You see, because unlike OJ, he's actually won an NFL championship. <laughs> Meltzer says that unlike the other major shows of the past week, uh, there was a couple going on. We'll talk about some of them. Uh, this all-time low figure was expected going in since the, since the King of the Ring had such a weak lineup on paper. He had a world title match with the challenger who clearly the public felt wasn't ready. And also that main event featuring the return of Roddy Piper. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, Piper's on... His only build of the match were those vignettes that were very grainy, shot in America's Finest Home Videos format. It wasn't like he was in the arenas, you know, getting the crowd pumped up for this big match with Jerry Luller, where he's fighting for all the sick kids at, at a Jack Tony's tax shelter. I mean, the children's hospital. <laughs> Do you think it would have made a difference? Not really. It's, it's kind of a... Uh, I think R.D. Reynolds or Brian Alvarez, whichever one wrote it in the death of the... WWE book said it best when they said that... Um, when, when things are cold, you can't do anything right. And when you're hot, you can't do anything wrong. And this is definitely the former. Oh, yeah, this is this is very much the case. I mean, the WWF are desperately trying to do something to to, to get something right. Uh, we talk about this in The Observer this week as well, where they say another subtle change to the WWF's wrestling products has taken place uh, in order to make it... Uh, even more sanitized and alleviate potential pressure being brought on due to threatened governmental regulation of violence on television. So do you want me to run through some of these changes to the WWF going forward? 
I can't wait to hear about the G era. Go oh, ahead. Oh, this is this is very much the G era. Uh, from here on in on <laughs> WWF TV, no crotch shots. No okay, choking wait. with two hands. Now, when you say crotch shots, you mean like low blows, right? Yeah, basically. No kicking below the uh, below the bread basket. I was going to say, were they zooming in on... Uh, on Rick Martel's pubis or something? I mean, they, what's going on here? They, they, they sacked um, Bastion Booger around this time. I think that's a coincidence. Amazon sack. Uh, no eye gouging. No foreign objects, including the use of chairs, tables, flagpoles, tennis rackets, etc. <laughs> I love a pass-ag email that is focused on just one person. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the um, TL... F and TR pay-per-view coming up in August. <laughs> They're really going to go hell for leather on that sorry, one. So TC, whatever. I'm gonna, I bungled it, but go ahead. <laughs> in interviews and in any commentary, there can be no physical threats, such as promises to break someone's arm or leg. Also, Razor <laughs> Ramon can no longer flip his toothpick at people. Uh, um. Wow. Boy, 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 were they a bunch of nervous Nellies at this point? Or what? I mean, this is the network that airs Silk Stockings. <laughs> <laughs> they air like borderline, not quite softcore porn, but a lot of their movies are just like erotic thrillers. You know, a woman caught up in a world she didn't want to be in. And now only this private detective who, who may or may not be David Caruso can save her as he, as he twists through this web of deceit and lies and all this. And it's just like... Is this the same channel? This is the same channel, and they have just become so terrified of doing anything that might even raise an eyebrow of somebody uh, in the government regulatory system. That they, so we've lost all the physiques because of uh, no more steroids, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, but now we've sure. basically lost every other aspect of shenanigans in wrestling. I mean, was this the year that Pulp Fiction came out and um, and gangster rap was starting to become really big? And wasn't this like the year where, where like a lot of excess going on in general? Certainly was. And, and, and WF's going the opposite way. It's like imagine the Attitude Era going against like the 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 rhythm of the late eight, the late nineties. Yeah, this is like the uh, No Latitude Era. <laughs> that is what we will call it from here on in. The no latitude era. The no latitude era. But this does explain uh, why there was so many apologies after last week's episode of Raw, where we saw Jerry Lawler beat Duke Drosy with a garbage can. But if nothing else, this opening segment on the show gives us the debut of a certain future WWE icon. Oh, it certainly does. (sighs) We're going to get to that in one moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do, very quickly, uh, just a couple of days before this took place, we had Clash of the Champions 27. Uh, yes, the, deb- the debut of the guy who appears in the a new generation ads as part of the antiquated era of wrestling. And, he, <laughs> nice. and, and even though he wasn't cheered on Clash of the Champions, he still was the biggest star in the company. Yes, he certainly was. Uh, That'd be Hulk Hogan, of course. That would be Hulk Hogan. We would be getting set for uh, his big run in WCW very, very soon. Also, uh, talking of big debuts, Tanya Harding dabbled in wrestling uh, this particular week. Let's just say Eddie Guerrero was not too thrilled to have to work with her in, in Portland at that point. 
Hello, he, she accompanied uh, Los Gringos Locos, uh, Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero, to the ring for a Triple well, A show. Okay, okay, she may have done that, but there's a show in Oregon, mm-hmm. which um, I can't remember if this is covered in the Observer or not, but she's supposed to accompany Los Gringos Locos. But because of some state regulation or whatever, because she wasn't like a licensed manager, she she, she, she going to go halfway down the aisle and sit in a chair in the aisleway. She can actually be at ringside. <laughs> you have to love any business that spawns that sentence. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was certainly one of the things that did happen. Uh, on the subject of Tonya Harding, Eddie Guerrero. In his book, Cheating Death, Stealing Life, wrote, mm-hmm. Tanya Harding was actually very quiet, nice, and sweet. Not all like the not at all like the crowbar swinging hoe the press made her out to be. <laughs> Eddie's so winning. she picks up, so she picks up Devin Storm by the ankles and swings him at. <laughs> although, although in fairness, she, she's not the one to hit Tanya Harding. It was either Sean Eckert or Jeff Galuli, one of her henchmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this would be the last um the last time Tanya Harding would dabble in wrestling. Wasn't wasn't it um Margot Robbie that played her in the movie I Tanya? Yes, it was indeed, and she was brilliant in that. Oh, yeah, she's a great actress. Very, very I, I, good. I just like I saw a trailer for a Birds of Prey on TV just a moment ago, so all ties together. Oh, look at that. Look at that. And uh, with that, we get ready for a brand new, a brand new episode in the No Latitude era of WWF Raw. And uh, over to Justin to talk us through it. Well, we start off with the damning segment from last week. Although I probably can't even say damning at this point because it's it's the G era, the No Latitude Gosh, era. Concern it. We recap Jerry. We recap Jerry Lawler. Um, bashing Duke in the head with a trash can, which he apparently did um, without authorization. and may have shot his own angle there. So Lawler is now speaking in front of a green screen that's just black, so it's a black screen. Looks like he's floating in outer space. He's forced to apologize for using the trash can, but, he, but at least they're making a gimmick out of it where he's, where he's like almost refusing. He's apprehensive about apologizing. He's kind of doing the... Um, Arthur Fonzarelli deal where it's like I can't say it. He's just. Meanwhile, as he's um, as he's twisting in the wind, trying not to uh, apologize for what he did in this heinous act. Off camera, we hear a voice imploring him, very calmly and very politely, but yet pointedly, to just get the apology over with, saying, "Mr. Lawler, we don't have all night." And I do believe that this may be the boy wonder himself, a 24-year-old Shane McMahon. I thought it sounded like Shane too, so I'm glad you said that as well. It's it's definitely Shane's voice. Mr. Lawler, the word is apology. Definitely the Shane cadence. Lawler tries a half-ass approach with just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the, uh, I'm just gonna say half-ass, screw it. I don't hear it of this error. I apologize. Mr. Lawler, with more conviction, please. I apologize that Shane goes into the real apology. I thought that it would end up with Lawler going, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner. <laughs> I thought we'd get like a proper wrestling apology. But now I've read what I've read about how they're changing the uh, mm. the attitude of the wrestling thing. It actually makes sense they did it this way. He's yeah, like, the one time I'm going to apologize when they're actually going to do something like this, I'm a, I'm sorry for what I did. 
And I, I like to point out that, that this would actually be the commentary team for WWE's video game five years later, Attitude. <laughs> Shane McMahon and Jerry Lawler. Oh, God, it would, wouldn't it? And this was their first on-camera interaction, this BS apology over using a trash can on Duke Jersey. Oh, man, I forgot that Shane did the commentary for, <coughs> for Attitude. That was the first time I, ever, I got a PlayStation. I was a few years late on it. That was the first game I got. And I loved it so much. And then I played SmackDown, and I wonder why I ever wasted my time with Attitude. Oh, just it was when. I, the, the, the moment for me, when I think I had the light bulb moment the same as you did, when I was like, this is a, this is a superior game, was when I, I could hit a finishing move by pressing triangle. Yes. As opposed to Mortal Kombat, the oh, Mortal Kombat combinations. God, that com left, right, up, down. X and circle. Good luck. It might land. It might not. You might just do. A, they might just do a slow grapple instead. Button combos. What are we, Neanderthals? Oh. Just fighting backstage on SmackDown and God, that was hours of fun. Such a bigger game. As soon as you got into it, it was such a bigger game. Oh yeah, and some. I'm getting my getting some nostalgia whimsy going through my brain right now. Oh, get that whimsy going. <laughs> but. Enough of fun stuff. Let's, uh, let's just go to this opening match. <laughs> Enough fun nostalgia. We don't come here for fun nostalgia. Yes, let's go to repress memories. <laughs> <clears throat> Mabel versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Mabel has Oscar with him, or as Randy Savage says, Oscar. As I in, you're like not ready. Carter. Yeah, kind of like that. I mean, I mean, the similarities are very obvious. I mean. One can wrestle and the other one can't rap. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Xavier not good. Oh, <laughs> hey That's so Monsoon actually implies because Monsoon's still here at this point because Vince is um having neck surgery slash preparing his legal briefs. Yeah, the trial wraps up in about two weeks. Yeah, I'm excited. Aren't you excited? I am excited. To see whether Vince McMahon's going to go to prison. If only Vince tried to elude the police, he could have gotten a big rating. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, he'd have filmed it, but it unrolled. John, Vince McMahon eluding the police. There you go. There's your, there's your first one of the day. Very vague, brief. Do what you will with it. <clears throat> so Monsoon, Monsoon implies that Savage is dancing on his chair. Of course, we can't see because this is just pre-recorded commentary from the night this aired. Or actually, this is sort of live-to-tape commentary. Monsoon says he hears wedding bells for Bigelow and Luna. Which is kind of ironic because once this match is over, it's probably going to be the end of their union. Yeah. For... <clears throat> it's almost like he just laid that on really thick. <laughs> or he just forgot the story. Yeah, I mean, there's that as well. <laughs> it could be. I mean, this. I believe. I believe Monsoon is a very organized man, but at this point, there's a lot of slapdash stuff going on in the company. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't his finest night on commentary, to be honest with you. No, it, it, it's par for the era. Mm -hmm. Bigelow actually hits a snapmare on Mabel. That was impressive. That was. Do you know what? Overall, this wasn't a bad match. No, I mean it wasn't bad, but it's just it's leading to something that is um not a good thing. Crowd chanting for Luna. Bigelow Big runs in there on the apron when she tries to interfere at one point. Oscar, or Oscar, well, I'll, I'll just call him Oscar now because it's funnier. He goes to check on the unconscious Luna on the floor. My mind started going a different direction here. Like, well, he, 
he's gonna be friendly to her right like he, like he's gonna be a gentleman and i i would hope hope so and, and he was he was well luna's still out bigler comes to the floor boom, when he realizes the luna's unconscious he shoves oscar away oscar takes a great bump off of it crowd cheered for that mm. bigler goes to help luna up mabel goes to the apron and, and possibly the scariest moment in history of the show to this point jumps down onto bam bam's back like he's going for an axe handle but over somehow managed to overshoot that <laughs> bigelow almost crushes luna on the luna floor nearly dies here yeah bigelow almost his spine almost came out his ass <laughs> it was he almost heard the air go out of both ends <laughs> <laughs> Just like, like a vortex in the middle. Like I realized, Mabel's a rotund man, and 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 there was little, and it it was kind of a narrow gap for him to land in. But how do you mess up an axe handle off the apron? Well, you just do. If you're if you are out of shape, you just sort of push your feet out and come straight down vertically, and bring your a double sledge down to the guy's back. That's all you have to do. Mabel felt like he was Chris Farley doing a pratfall and, and nearly put a hole in, uh, in White Plains, White Plains, New York, a sinkhole that the entire Simpson family would fall through and come out the other side of the dome. <laughs> so Mabel wins by crown out or count out. Crowd's pissed off. Monsoon says this is a hard thing, a hard loss to swallow for Bigelow. And Savage is, that's like swallowing a piano. <laughs> John, are we thinking of John here? Are we calling John here? Um, if John wants to do an artist rendering of someone swallowing a piano, anyone at all could be, could be Bandman Bigelow, could be Don Rickles, could be anybody. <laughs> Just use your imagination to surprise us. That's on you, John. <laughs> so, DiBiase, I'm, I'm sorry, Bigelow and Lunar kind of arguing with the referee a little bit over this turn of events. Thank God they're both alive. Out comes DiBiase in his million-dollar tracksuit. This is such a bizarre look. I liked it. I liked it because I was I was excited because I knew what this was the the embryonic version of what we were about to see. Yeah, but it's not really a good thing, is it? Well, it's something. It's something different, and and I'm and I'm intrigued to see where they go with it. Obviously, we kind of know where they go with it, but. You know, they have changed their strategy a bit since they can't talk about anything violent anymore. So they need to find a new way to uh, jazz things up a touch. I mean, I get that, but I mean, DiBiase's attire. Oh, the attire. Oh, I thought he looked smashing. <laughs> I was a big fan of this tracksuit. He's wearing like tight workout pants and this sort of sh shimmery, glittery sort of looking uh, jacket similar to his old Million Dollar Man outfit. It just looks very, it almost looks like Someone in another company wanted to have their own million dollar man. So they just created a character called like uh, the rich guy, Tim Donovan or something. <laughs> they put his outfit on. Like, like you're supposed to know who it looks like from a distance. Like that could be Ted DiBiase when, when obviously the rube there is wrong. The billion dollar renegade. <laughs> the $6 million man. No way. I'm sorry. DiBiase jumps 45 feet over the ring. Whilst Hogan's there going, we've got the rich guy. <laughs> the rich guy. We got the rich guy. The one you know. 
Well, to be fair, Trillionaire Ted was a good name. Yeah, I like how they went, he's better than the Million Dollar Man, because he's now Trillion Dollar Man. <laughs> he chose not to invest in WBF stock. <laughs> it's it's so beautifully petty. <laughs> well, speaking of um, rip-offs and such, that takes us to our next segment, where uh, we cut to a recap of the Heartbreak Hotel from episode of, uh, recent episode of Superstars or Challenge or whatever the hell it was, when DiBiase brings out The Undertaker. Oh, now, this bit, right? Mm-hmm. We see bits from superstars, as you say, from the Heartbreak Hotel. There's Ted bringing out The Undertaker. And then we see The Undertaker talking. We see him talking, and we hear him talking. Mm, but that's not him talking. <clears throat> no, this was, um... You know the bad lip-sync jobs they do on YouTube for, like, NFL games and other celebrity endeavors where they just dub in funny language like the bad lip-syncing people yes who made that seagull song about star wars well this is worse lip-syncing <laughs> i would have preferred it if they cut to go let's hear from the undertaker for the mic face he's here rocking rocking and rolling down to the beach i'm strolling this is marky vanilli <laughs> that'd have been delightful so this is primetime brian lee doing his damnedest look to resemble The Undertaker. And they actually had Mark Calloway um, record the promo, and Brian Lee is, 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 just moving his, is just moving his lips to it. His hair is covering his eyes, so all you see is just his, his, his mouth. And, well, they tried. They tried. They say it was, it, was a, was it was a good effort. They show a squash match where he destroys P.J. Walker with the— of the future Justin Credible and Alden Montoya. And to be fair, he didn't look too bad in there as long as his hair was covering his eyes. If his hair was covering his eyes, he looked like Mark Callis. Yes, as long as he didn't move too much, he definitely looked like him. <laughs> There's a spot where he, where he goes to pull his fist back and his hair flies up and DiBiase stops him. And in that brief moment, you go, yeah, it's not him. Good try, though. Good try. Very good if effort. He entered, if he entered a cosplay contest as Undertaker, he would have won. <laughs> yeah. However, this is this is more than a cosplay contest. This is gonna be the top storyline for the summer. This really is gonna be your focal point of this new era for the company. He, he's not trying to win a twenty five dollar gift certificate to Dunkin' Donuts. This is this is the main event angle. This is something bigger than that. And um it was an interesting idea, but the execution as we're gonna see over the next Oh, two months or so is not good. Mm, I mean, it's initially a good idea. Mm. And they tried. We got a King of the Ring replay ad, and then we become the Mr. Excitement himself, Erwin R. Scheister, taking on a rambling Rich Myers. Kind of Get funny how Mon- back on telly again. Oh yeah, Rich Myers is a damn good enhancement talent with a sweet mullet to boot. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Still very timely at this point, 1994. It's weird hearing Monsoon put over IRS's amateur wrestling background from, from the University of Syracuse since they never really acknowledge that he's Mike Rotunda. They don't, do they? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, obviously, IRS actually played up his um his amateur credentials 
when, when he was Mike Rotunda as part of the Varsity Club in WCW. And they probably mentioned it in his pre- previous WWE run in, in like 84, 85. But here it's just like, you know, Iris was an amateur wrestler at Syracuse. It's like, well, if, if, if you're Mark, that's news to you. Yeah, I mean, that's if you, I mean, it would have, if I was watching at this point, which I wasn't, I was, uh, I was removed from wrestling at this point. But I, that would have come as a, I know, I feel like I was the luckiest. Um, mm-hmm. But I, this would have been news to me. Yeah, I mean, he's been here for three years at this point. He's just been IRS. He's been... Yeah, he's just a tax man who just wrestles sometimes. Yeah, you know, because you know, being a tax man doesn't pay enough, so you got to have another job. <laughs> Supplement your income. I'd be declaring it. <clears throat> IRS now has this new thing he does. Of course, maybe just for this match only, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note of it anyway, where he stops in the middle of the match to straighten his tie to annoy the fans. Yeah, I was. I saw that, and I thought, "Why has he not done that before?" Well, see, I Iris had. Well, see, Iris realized at this point that his matches were going too fast, and he needed to slow things down. So he figures if he stops mid-match to do this, you know, he he can stop and catch his breath because his matches, you know, do go a mile a minute. They, you know what? Yeah, when I the problem is with IRS matches is that I normally have to watch them a couple of times over because there's a lot to take in. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, bitch, you're doing too much. I'm like, shut up, ho! I ain't doing enough. It's what I think whenever I see IRS's matches. I like doing too much. You're doing too many abdominal stretches. Like, slow down, mate. Just tell do, a story. Tell the story of more. why you're doing twelve abdominal stretches. Exactly. There's got to be a reason. Exactly. You're like in front of the leg fetish. People need to know about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Iris works and holds. I wrote that without irony. <laughs> nice and slow. <laughs> Monster tells us that at this point that he has a few guys looking for DiBiase and Bam Bam to find out what's going on. And I, I kind of want to know who these few guys are. Right. Shall we have a think on who these th- these these few guys are? I reckon it is just an assortment of enhancement guys who are backstage and all that happened was Gorilla went up to them and went can you go look for DiBiase and they were so terrified of this old massive man shouting at them they went yes of course we will we're on our way now it is fun to think about Monsoon having goons <laughs> do they look like him like little Monsoons chimp Monsoons if you will just, just like little midget Monsoons <laughs> The monster. <laughs> it's like when Nelson had his two sidekicks in the early days of The Simpsons. There's like two, like two smaller versions of him almost. That would be, that would be it. I want that to be the thing. The monsters. <laughs> that sounds like a band. <laughs> Monsoon and the monsters. John. <laughs> oh boy. Album cover. For Monsoon and the Monsets and their debut single, Will You Be Serious With My Heart? <laughs> when they were on the Ed Sullivan show in 64. Oh, yes. <laughs> Will you stop playing games with my heart? <laughs> you can write the song as well. That'd be great. And then Monsoon refused to change the lyrics because it's a reference to marijuana, so Ed Sullivan had him kicked off. <laughs> oh, standard old Monsoon. <laughs> We're so high, we're, we're literally hanging from the rafters. <laughs> he loved his references to that sort of thing, didn't he? Yes, sure did. Iris finishes not with a write-off clothesline, but with an actual finishing move, the penalty. 
which is an, a very painful-looking STF. I've never seen him do the penalty before. Well, it's your first time, and it's not quite like Cena's version, where he grabs on your legs and, and then hugs you. This is um, he takes your left leg and he spins around like he's going for like a spinning toe hold figure four, although you're on your stomach. Then he just drops right down, puts his hand under your chin, and just pulls your head straight back. I was a big fan of it. I liked it. Nice change up, a change up from the right off. Both Rotundo, father and son, had a gimmick mm -hmm. which which involved them asking to be let in, and neither of which you wanted to be let in. One's the fiend, <laughs> the other's the tax man. I've come to count the residents of your house, and all you have to do is let me in. <laughs> See you next time, kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a real bathroom. That's another bedroom. Wow. Is it the fiend he could be the fraud? Because the tax fraud. Oh, hey -oh. It's funny how, like, this week in the news, uh, Ted DiBiase's son, Brett, has been involved in that major embezzlement uh, uh, yes. scandal. I'm kind of waiting for the for either Bo Dallas or Bray Wyatt to be involved in some kind of tax fraud. Like, <laughs> or it could be, like, the opposite of the fiend. Yeah, Bo could become the friend. <laughs> I'd love that. Just That'd a happy version of the fiend. Yeah, it was just it was just All a jolly you have to do is let me in. Or would it be that like whereas the fiend is like really happy but very sinister, could the friend mm. be really sinister but actually have a very a very nice person? Could be. He gives you gifts and stuff. I want to be your friend. <laughs> I have to say one of the best gimmicks of the past decade that just didn't quite take off was the Bo Leave gimmick. Oh god, yeah. The human motivational poster that was so insincere and smarmy that you just wanted to punch him. Really sad that we, we didn't get that to its entirety. You know, Braun Strowman stole his uh, ringside shoulder block thing from Bo. Because when Bo would do his victory lap, he'd knock the guy over. Yes, but he was that was it. He'd run around the ring with this big old anime smile on, punching mm -hmm. the air. Whereas Braun just became like the train that runs around the ring, kicks <laughs> up a sandstorm. Plus, the song was so douchey, it was great. Just the happy violin sounds of, like, opportunity and motivation. And and it was like, it was shots of mountain ranges and, and sunrises. And, oh, it was beautiful. He had the right voice and attitude for that character. And sadly, it just didn't, it wasn't to be. Oh, he so did. He so did. <laughs> I, I believed in Bo. Oh, did you believe? Right. I, I believe. <laughs> Get it, lad. So we now come to the king's court after a hard edit Lawler's of course you know back to being you know heel Lawler again no apologies here or as Savage said and I'm quoting here he's back to sarcasm <laughs> and Randy Savage knows all about sarcasticism yes that was the thing that Marge and Ruth Power tried to jump over <laughs> 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 John, I want Savage. <laughs> okay, I want Savage and Monsoon in a top-down car trying to jump over a sarcasm. <laughs> oh, please do, please do. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so our subject here is Jim Neidhart, who comes out to discuss why he um did what he did at King of the Ring. He does the whole spiel about a. Uh, you know, he had to pull Brett out of tough situations because I'm the one who carried the Hart Foundation. I was the backbone of the team. Brett always asked me for advice when he was champion. He gives me so little gratitude. 
you know, trying to be a paint him as, as the enemy and all this. Nightheart uh, says he 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 helped Brett keep the belt so that Owen could beat him for it later. All right, I like simple this. enough. Uh, I should point. I should point out that um, Nightheart at times was almost like rambling during this promo, like he didn't really understand, you know, what points to hit for a TV broadcast. So Lawler kind of had like fill in the blanks for him. Yeah, he was he was a bit rambly, but then I think that's kind of the Jim Nightheart we've come to know and love. Yeah, it's like this show where I'm Nightheart and you're Lawler, you know, just trying to tie everything together, and I'm just tangentical. <laughs> So, so Bishop Owen comes out in his full royal splendor. Oh, I love Owen Hart here. Owen is now six foot eight because of this crown. <laughs> He's almost as tall as Gorilla Monsoon at this point. Almost. <laughs> He's cutting this promo talking about WrestleMania ten, and I should point out, I this is one thing I really hate when they try to change history to fit their narrative. They talk about Owen talks about how he beat Brett at WrestleMania ten, which is true. And a monsoon yells, "You got lucky." Yeah, I think monsoon was a bit obnoxious here. I hate to say. Yeah, it was. It was like when um, when Sid threw Hogan out of the Rumble a few years before this, and it ended the redub later on to make it sound the crowd was booing, and Sid was a coward for doing that. Yeah, I didn't like it. It was, it was almost like Gorilla was trying too hard to, to punch this story on the nose when you didn't really need to. Yeah, isn't it better that Owen got a clean win over Brett so that there's doubt later on that Brett can beat him? Yeah, I think that's great. I don't know why Monsoon felt the need to add the whole you got lucky caveat. I said, well, no, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Yeah, just, um, I mean, you have so few credible wrestlers at this point anyway in the company that the fans believe in that wouldn't help to put somebody on Brett's level to say, like, I can can be Brett's superior because I did it once and I'll do it again. I mean, granted, Nightheart did help him win the King of the Ring tournament because that was part of the heel master plan. Okay, that's fine. But they're going a little far with, uh, you got lucky. You only win because you cheat. He beat Brett clean. Clean as a whistle. He counted the victory roll into a smart pinning combination because Owen is on Brett's level. That's what you want to get across, right? Yes, and I don't see why they were so scared to. Like, whether it would damage, whether they thought it would... Whether there was concern that... Maybe on a basic level, they were they were still not entirely sure that Owen was right for this bit, and there was still that trepidation. So I guess by dropping in the, yeah, but you got a lucky caveat, it gives them an out if he turns out to not be the guy. They're trying too hard to keep him heel. Yeah. When... Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because, it, well, if you if could be Brett Clean, then by God, why should, we should like him for being a great wrestler. But if, but if he's a douchebag who got lucky, then everybody will keep booing him. It's, they're they're spoon feeding with a with a slingshot at this point. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. But it's about all the things that Owen is saying are heelish things. Yeah, we're talking about like like I'm gonna run you down, brother. I'm gonna take your belt from you. Just full of you know venom and obnoxiousness and. <laughs> they, did a, they did a bit where they had there was, Owen Hart was talking and the camera was doing this deep zoom in on Owen Hart's face. And then all of a sudden, they, they cut to Jim Neidhart, who's, like, mad-eyed looking left to right and, like, sticking his tongue out. 
just such a weird juxtaposition just to see Jim Neidhart sticking his tongue in and out like a gecko whilst Owen Hart's cutting this masterful promo. Well, because he's a, he's a snake. You know, he's... <laughs> he's taking it very literally, though. It's like Dean Cook. I'm a snake. <laughs> Jim Neidart, just Jim Neidartin. Do you think he was doing that intentionally or was it subconscious? I think it was subconscious. I think he was just doing what Jim Neidart's always done when the the more eloquent heart is cutting a promo. And he's just sort of just... stood next to them. And mug. And mugging, basically, to not just the camera, but to everybody. And just to show that Vince is definitely not at these tapings because of... Uh, and, and, and a nice bit of disorganization. They, they play Owen's team after his remarks, and Lawler keeps talking. Oh, this was annoying. Like, Owen, like, Lawler talked, Owen's music played, Owen kept talking at the same level. This was cluttered. I hated this. Yeah. It's like a TNA promo in 2007. Yeah, you just go, that's it. I'm just going to finish there. Your instinct should be to go, that's a complete point. Yes. Because there was nothing that he said afterwards that added anything. Well, we see why they had to cut away from that because we we have to cut to this in, in, incredibly um, engrossing shot of Lex Luger lacing his boots. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to him, he was lacing them up properly. That's right. Loop you know, all through, all, th- through. all through this night, they've plugged Lex Luger making an appearance because he has a match later on. It's a squash match, but by God, they plug him as though he's the second coming. We know you're here to see Lex Luger, so here he is. Just a reminder, he's going to be here in a little bit. He's lacing his boots. By God, he wouldn't do it if he didn't have a match. <laughs> yeah, they were really heavy on him again. Whether they've just decided to sort of try and catch the fire once again. Well, Vince left his notes, and it's just two stick figures. One of them has big muscles, and the other has a has a pompadour quaff. And he just left a lot of hearts surrounding them. So they, so they just assumed, like, okay, hit the Luger stuff hard. <laughs> John, can you please do a drawing of what Vince McMahon drew for the commentary team <laughs> to indicate what they had to talk about that night? Well, speaking of things that give Vince a hard on, here come the head shrinkers. <laughs> Hi! Hey, Dad! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Head shrinkers versus executioners, which sound like two CFL football teams. It does, doesn't it? This sounds like a superb owl. <laughs> that's the other. That's the good league. This is oh. the CFL. Would be the um, the Grey Cup. Oh, the, my apologies. You and your hundred ten yard field think you're so special. <laughs> Can only have you know eight Americans. Executioners were Hardy and Gill. Hardy and Gill. Okay, I was hoping you know. <laughs> was... We get two checks this way. <laughs> Do they have to queue up twice for it? I think so. So they all stand in the line to get the little brown envelopes. Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill get them. Run to the back of the line at the end. Run to the back of the line, put the mask on. I think that's why they said they did the Toxic Turtles bit, because they made them get three checks that way. (laughs) That's probably what it is. (laughs) Smart, you got to give them that. Oh, gotcha. So Savage calls the Headshrinkers his favorite tag team of all time. What an interesting choice. I mean, I'm not. I love Samuel and Fatu. They're they're fun to watch. They kill jobbers. Wouldn't expect this to right be a... um, Randy Savage's favorite though. Well, it can't be the Mega Powers now. Oh, that's true. Press that. Because one of because even though I'm older than my partner, he's old and I'm not. That's why I get to do commentary. Hulk Hogan's one of the all-time greats, but in WWF, <laughs> but in WCW, he's an active wrestler. And then you see, we're clearly superior. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're under indictment because the government likes us because <laughs> we're more famous <laughs> so Savage works in <laughs> Savage works in the first remark to the OJ trial which will probably become a theme for the next year and a half or so it's a long trial it was a very long trial they talk about the World Cup a little bit yeah, they talk about how the Hedrickers favor the Cameroon team. Do you remember the joke they made? I believe Savage thought it was a cookie, and Monster says, no, that's a macaroon. <laughs> yeah. There we go. What a, what a, what a, what a, what a geo- geographical zinger that is. I hope Bruce Valance sued him for that one. Stealing his... <laughs> <laughs> I think Jerry Lawler wrote it down. Do, oh, not, do but... not open until 2020. <laughs> <laughs> one of them had a, one was eating bazooka joe gum earlier and, and saw, saw the cartoon like oh that's a good one see what's that one <laughs> so this so this is your typical head shrinkers beat down where it's just a methodical beating they slowly devour the guys got the blanchard bottom rope slingshot samu in a move i've never really seen before takes Either Hardy or Gill, whichever one. One's named Pain, the other's named Agony, which I, which Abbott describes what they went through in this match. Takes them over to the, the over to the buckles. Samu walks up to the middle rope, hooks the poor bastard by the head, and proceeds to hit a second rope DDT. Just an elevated DDT. Quite a gruesome move for this day and age. I know, especially in a, in a squash match over two guys who think of more Pratt Falls and Buster Keaton. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it looked brutal, too. It looked very, very rough. 
Now, the head shrinkers are baby faces. However, on two occasions during this match, when they have them dead to rights, Hardy and Gill, they keep pulling them up on pinfalls to inflict more punishment. Because they, they are just, they're desperate just to beat up the executioners here for some reason. Because it's fun. I guess it's just nice just to bounce around Hardy and Gill. You're getting two paychecks. <laughs> yeah, make them earn their pay. Make them earn their double pay. So the Shrinkers pull out the double skull crushing finale, which is always a great move in my opinion, when you have two guys doing it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's a cool move. Because there's no way to break your fall. You're going right on your face every time, unless you turn your head slightly to the side. Fatu lands a big Samoan splash. That was almost a five-minute squash. They did take a long time just battering these boys. I don't know whether they were told to go out and fill time or whether they just took great pleasure in beating them up. After watching MJF whip Cody this week, this was the second longest beating I watched. One-sided <laughs> beating. Have you seen the MJF Cody segment? I have indeed, yeah. And I it was uncomfortable, but not in a bad way. You want to see Cody kill MJF now? That's it. So they've 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 done their job. They've sold me to the pay per view. Like I now want to see Cody. Like I kind of thought they. I thought what would have been even more sinister is have MJF hit him with nine and then leave. Oh, that would have been perfect. And go, I and done ten yet. But it was better what they did at the end, where MJF was thought Cody just didn't have the reserve to get through it, so he was banking on him, you know, quitting at some point. That's why I gave number nine the the Wardlow. Yeah, which Wardlow almost Wardlow almost murdered Cody just, with that just shot. Went, just went with it, didn't they? Jeez. I'm all in on Wardlow at this point. I don't care if he sucks in the ring. Oh, of course, I've never seen him wrestle, but that shot alone just just put him over with me. Because Cody just, I don't think he felt it was knees, you know, as as part of a. It's part of a bump. I think he just was naturally in pain, like, ah, I can't stand up anymore. Because they really, went, he really, like, all of them, MJF really <laughs> laid all of them in. Oh, yeah, you saw the aftermath. Yeah. I wonder whether backstage, Cody went, just just go for it. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're trying to, you're showing the lengths he'll go to to get to this match, and if Cody's back isn't all sorts of all sorts of reds and oranges, then you, then you didn't get the point across. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's true, though. I'm now excited. <laughs> To see Cody batter MJF. They've sold me. But the best part of it is after the 10th one, MJF got mad because Cody didn't quit. And he realized, oh, crap, now I got to face him at Revolution. So he just holds off, kicks him in the balls, and then runs away. <laughs> that was beautiful. And then, and then, and then they had the, the – there was a planted fan scene where the fan attacked him. Are you sure it was a plant? Apparently it was. Okay. I was, even I was if, even so, I liked it. Either way, it adds to it. Oh, without a doubt. I'm more interested for that match than anything possible at WrestleMania. That includes Edge and Orton. Oh, yeah. That would be, uh, yeah. That's gonna. It's going to be a big deal when those two finally tussle. If they, I, I imagine it's going to be a revolution now. I thought they might mm -hmm. hold off for an entire year, but it's going to be yeah. a revolution. Plus, you know, Moxie putting a car key in Santana's eye. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and Hangman being an obnoxious drunk. Oh, man. AEW's just hit, hit, just hit firing on all cylinders right now. I don't care what certain people say. This is my favorite company. I'll say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> we come to my favorite part of the show. Okay. And, and, and after talking up this 
brilliant Cody MJF angle, which is going to win Cody babyface of the year, win MJF heel of the year, and win both of them feud of the year. We see DiBiase, Bigelow, Nikolai, and Luna having a powwow backstage. <laughs> what a team! DiBiase yells, get that camera out of here. And then Nikolai lunges for the camera in sort of this squatty fashion. <laughs> John, John, this is not a Photoshop. I, I, I just want that gif forever. <laughs> and Nikolai running for the camera with, with sort of that strained look on his face. That's all we want. Just just bring that to life. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I can find a million uses for that gif. Do you think they changed their mind on having Volkov as like the reluctant uh, uh the, the reluctant property of Ted DiBiase? And they just went, Oh, he's just a baddie now. I think they've forgotten. Mm. You know there was a game that I played before with friends when I was younger. We get a bunch of people together, at least like six to eight people. The first person writes a sentence on, on on a sheet of paper. The next person adds a sentence below it, you know, to to continue the story. But then he folds the paper down over the first line, so the next person he hands it to doesn't see what it is. Oh, I love this game. Consequences, I think we called it. My consequences. Ad? Something like that, and then you just keep adding to the, you keep adding to the story, and at the end you read it to see if it makes any sense at all. Yeah. That's the booking of this company at this point. <laughs> so is this how they made the Million Dollar Corporation? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and now it says here that they bring in Duke Drusy and they colonize Mars. Wait, <laughs> how did this start out again? It started as Ted DiBiase returns. <laughs> wow, we are way off. <laughs> <laughs> as they're there setting up cameras on Mars, Vince is thinking, maybe we shouldn't do it this way anymore <laughs> don't hit him with a chair on mars we'll get in trouble <laughs> that plant's too red looks like blood can be colored something else <laughs> can we make it just the red liquid <laughs> so next week is chef jarrett versus tatanka and as the plugged by lord alfred hayes is a very, a, a very sedated lord alfred mm-hmm. i'm only getting one check <laughs> Not just we, that, but the... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, you go on, because my bit can wait until the end of this bit. Let's see, and The Undertaker's going to be there as well. I put it in quote marks because in, it's the it's it's the um, primetime taker, the underfaker, as it, as it were. Oh, so he's going to be on Raw next week. Yes, he's going he's going to allegedly wrestle. Get in! Underfaker action next week! <laughs> Can't wait. I am living for this. Lord Alfred Hayes in this bit doing the angry kind of somewhat interested voiceover um this is well the time space continuum loops a little bit here so apologies so uh myself and matthew recorded an episode of the smackdown review yesterday that you'll hear after this goes out in real time uh, so but we uh well, matthew ended up showing me some lord alfred hayes promos from the 80s when he was a heel manager and he was fabulous because he was, I think he was a bit crap, but in the best possible way, because he was, he was drinking tea and what he would do would be, he would just every so often mid sentence, just start slurping tea. And it wouldn't be like in a natural pause. It'd be like, now, Billy Graham, you think you're very good, but I have something to say about that. Like, there wasn't any, like, natural place to do it. So he just did it. 
He's like, oh, the oh. tea in America is awful. Oh, he was brilliant, but bad, but brilliant. <laughs> I had my hopes that he would just keep talking while he was slurping. Like, hang on, I have my coffee here. <laughs> you know, Tom, I really like this show, but I think the <laughs> we need to we need more guests on here. And if we just have some more guests, we could definitely reach out to all of the and then that would have that would have been perfect. Sadly, we didn't get that. That was but we're a long removed from that that version of Lord Alfred Hayes. It's nice to hear him still doing angry voiceovers. Next week on Raw, it's, it does add a bit of masterpiece theater to what is what is essentially become masturbate theater. John, no, John, don't. You'll get kicked off Twitter. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some accounts. Oh, never mind. Oh, do do. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking of things, you know, worth uh, that. Um, Quang versus Mike Moraldo. Ah, oh, Mike Moraldo, aka Charleston Digger, aka huh? Ace Darling. That's Ace Darling, really? Uh huh. I I never made that connection. Mike Moraldo's Ace Darling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ace Darling was in the very first independent match I ever watched live. Really? Who's he facing? Surfer Ray Odyssey. Wow, he sounds fun. He was a veteran of local Jersey independence. Did he come out with a surfboard? Yes, he did, and a wetsuit. Damn right he did. Damn right he did. <laughs> that show was in May of 1998 at my local high school. The main event was Superfly Jimmy Snuka versus Nikolai Volkov. Oh, you've told me about this before. That's a hell of a night. <laughs> and, and, and Snuka's initial opponent before he no-showed was Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Snooker and Ahmed, how would that have gone? Um, Badly. Pain. Yes. <laughs> I, I just remember that Chris Hamrick was on that show. Oh, and so was cur- old currency, old Confederate currency, Chris Hamrick. Yes, plus Doink the Clown versus Rocco Rock. It's a hell of a card. Oh, it, it, I, I mean, 14 year old me was just tickled pink. Yeah, like, that's it. <laughs> a, a mile from my house, I could have walked to the show and been there in 10 minutes. And they were at, at my high school. Did you take posters? Uh, no. Oh. I just um, went with my friend. We just marked out over everything because we were teenage marks. And this was in a bum hick town. And, 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 and this was all new to us. We were just so happy. It could have literally been the Fiend versus Seth Rollins. We would have marked out for it. Just because it was wrestling in your town. Yes, this is cutting edge stuff. It is exciting when it's in your town. Uh, it does it does enhance the enjoyment somewhat. I do believe that the company, the main company I work for now in wrestling, the only reason I do is because the venue that they play out of is ten minute walk from my house. <laughs> it's it's convenient. It's Best convenient. Part of the show. It is uh, a time of a time of recording. Uh, I'm I'm on, I'm on a show tonight with my boy Mickey the Dragon, and I can tell that I'm getting to that point where I'm a bit old because um, I said, "Oh, oh, can you send us the details of the show?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, you and Mickey are on first. I'm like, "Yes, I can be home by half eight. Get it? <laughs> can we home have a macaroni and cheese by nine? Oh, what a dream! That is a dream. Get us out there first. Get it done. Get away. I know I'm not paying my dues. I'm a terrible human being. But on this particular <laughs> night, I am getting over our fate. And Brock Lesnar, Tom Campbell, it's a short I list. Basically, I'm Brock Lesnar. To, like, if Brock Lesnar was, was, was a fat lad in his mid-30s who wanted to get home to eat pizza. <laughs> who wanted to get home so he could enjoy having a late night at home. 
Well, you've both beaten up Frank Mir, so you do have something in common. There you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> so Quang versus Moraldo. Moraldo, I should perhaps I should have guessed this was a star because he's bumping hard off everything. And he's um, Quang's throwing savat kicks. Moraldo's just uh, bumping hard. He blows red mist in the air, Quang. And Monsoon actually says, and I'm quoting here, "What a pig!" Flipping. <laughs> Thank God Muda was not in this company ever. They would have ruined him. Way to kill the red mist. Whereas, so like, so am I, uh, that line, and I wrote it down, what a pig. Am I right in thinking that Gorilla just thinks that Quang was just spitting into the air? I'm thinking, yeah, he must have had some marinara sauce before he came out here, and he's just, he's like Skinner almost. He's just, well, not Principal Skinner, but, um, you know, Steve Kern, when he, when he was the alligator man. I think maybe, is it possible that because it looks like blood or something food-like, the monsoon has to cry it so that the USA Network doesn't get mad? Possibly. I never thought of that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably got to decry it because in case they think it's blood. I mean, the, the line disc, the, the line that he came out with made it sound like <laughs> Quang's just spat into the air and Quang's got gum disease. Uh, <laughs> it's what it sounded like. But then you're right in the sense that in, in by terms of decrying it, it distances it. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun era to watch. <laughs> it really, mate. It really is. What I love is that there's so many fans that complain about the last couple of years being safe. Oh, mate. Ninety four, ninety five. Like, okay, can you all fight, but without intimidating violence, intimating violence, or touching each other? That'd be great. Yes, we'll do an interpretive dance. <laughs> Basically, that's where we're heading. So, monster forces Savage at gunpoint to do the movie read. And Savage plugs pump up the volume with Christian Slater. Which is actually not a bad movie. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, he plays this radio, uh, like like high school age radio host who has it's almost like an infomercial for like a lot of like you know like unknown bands at the time. And it's, it's, it's kind of I haven't seen it in years, but it's uh, I remember it being pretty decent. Mm. 1990ish, it came out. Christ, that's 30 years ago. Don't think about it, mate. It makes me sad, too. My God. Uh, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll go down a rabbit hole. I spent a week going down this rabbit hole. Don't do it. <laughs> so Suddenly everything is darker. Don't do it, mate. Don't go down the rabbit hole. I try not. So Quang's just throwing, all, he's just throwing as many kicks as possible. He can't throw too many kicks because he's a martial artist. That's and basically that's the order that Vincent Mann gave him. Yes, this is... um, It's, it's like Shang Dung... <laughs> Shang Dung wins. <laughs> Fatality. No, we can't have that. Not in this company. Not now. We can't. <laughs> so, so Marauder fights back. We get a cool finish here, where he tries to he tries a running monkey flip out of the corner. Quang walks out with him, drops him, and then hits him with a spinning heel kick immediately and pins him. That spinning wheel kick, man. I mean, I mean, just the block to set down, and then he does it. It was different. And I can't remember if it was Monsoon or Savage that said this, but this made the whole match. Besides the finish, Harvey Whippleman proud of his Quang. That's why. That's why he pulls his Quang out and shows everybody the first chance he gets. <laughs> do you think they knew what they were doing there? Yes, I, I absolutely do. Look at the size of his Quang. Why it's like, it's, it's much more stout than the last time I saw it. 
putting some heavy quang there. <laughs> How many more quang jokes can I make? <laughs> Big old quang going on. <laughs> I've got a quang for this upcoming match. <laughs> Ever have morning quang? It's really annoying. You can't pee. Oh, it's it's difficult. I find that <laughs> it just it, it makes you late for work more than anything. And yeah, no, just you don't you don't want to fall on your quang when that happens. It can, it can be very damaging. Hey, remember, in this era, no shots to the quang. All right. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> My quang's spitting red mist. Oh God! You need to get to the doctors immediately. <laughs> if your quang starts, if you experience these problems with your quang, please. <laughs> Be so, a medical sorry. professional immediately. <laughs> okay, before we beat this, before we beat our quangs into the ground here, let's go to this. <laughs> we get the new generation ad, which casts Hulk Hogan as being the same age as Ivan Putsky. I, I love it. I love I love how blatantly harsh it is. Like, yeah, they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Hogan sword. He could be a commentator on Raw. <laughs> He's one of the all-time greats. Five years younger than Jerry Lawler, who just wrestled the main event of the previous pay per view. It's so, it's it's so it's so wrong. It's so there's such the wrong way around. And we finally get the Monsoon Savage two shot at ringside for the first time tonight. Four matches in and and, and an interview segment. God, <laughs> yeah, we this, do. This thing is this thing is just thrown together like a posse. It is just hoy together, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's being held together with bubble gum and like twine. So we have our main event: Lex Luger versus Mike Bell. I like the tension about before he even walked out. Like there was concern that Lex Luger wouldn't come out because he was going to no show. There he is. He's there. And because he's so over, he's the biggest star in the company, according to them. He's contractually obligated to be there as well, though. The best part of this is where they talk about... I can't remember if, if they brought Hogan up by name here, but they're talking about the, the whole new generation thing. How Lexler is emblematic of the new generation. So they're talking him up as though he's the antithesis of Hulk Hogan. And actually, they're right. It's a fair point, to be fair. Hogan cut a promo. See what's about about Hogan? He seemed like he cared about the kids, unlike um, who is Lex Luger? Well, I'm, I I played high school football, and the thing about high school football is that like, shut up. This is your problem, right? If you're mm. gonna have a replacement Hogan, make him good, make him look like he gives a damn. He doesn't. That's it. If you because you're gonna draw so many comparisons between him and Hogan, and they're all gonna fall on their ass. You realize next week's show is the anniversary of the of the body slam on the Intrepid. Oh, it is, isn't it? Already. Uh-huh. Jeez. This is a year of Lex Luger being, in their mind, the new Hulk Hogan. What a year he has had. He has screwed it up twice mm-hmm. and Here's walked hi- out with the belt once. Here are your highlights. Got hit in the head with a bucket. Failed to win the title twice. <laughs> Scene. Oh, and try to kill Pierre, but you can't kill him because he's not human. <laughs> so Luger and Mike Bell here, they're trying to get over the whole rebel thing with Luger for some reason. 
which actually yeah, was Rebel. I'm, I'm, con I'm confused as to why suddenly we're playing that game. Yeah. They're going to end up calling his torture rack the Rebel Rack. They're going to call him Re Rebel with a Cause or something. They're going to call him... But he's still wearing the patriotic attire. He's not like a James Dean character all of a sudden. I was hoping to be Rebel from TNA, but unfortunately, no. Oh, I miss her. Yeah, she's great. Although, although she is an AEW now. She's our makeup artist. Is she? Yes, she is. I never knew that. They had to put her on TV more. The more you know. And as an, as an Eagles fan, I'm supposed to hate the Cowboys, and she's a former Cowboys cheerleader, but I'll make an exception for her. <laughs> I think we all would, to be fair. Yes. This is more just um, exposition for the whole Luger to DiBiase thing that's been going. DiBiase is watching from the shadows because he, he's courting Luger. Apparently, it's like um, a great shot of of DiBiase emerging like from the shadows, like silhouetted. Like, oh, it was great. <laughs> like cigarette smoking man from x-files oh it was brilliant just very shadowy very you know icy so to speak <laughs> we, we get a point where luger throws a clothesline at mike bell bell bumps way too soon off of it so there's no contact and monsoon yells what a shot <laughs> i think he was actually yelling at the at whoever's in the truck that actually actually shows that angle to air what a shot you picked to put on tv you dumbass <laughs> Is that what we think he was doing? I think it probably was. I'm gonna. I think he was just covering for my. If they hear me, maybe they'll not look at the shot and they'll just listen to my voice. A little misdirection. So the torture slash rebel rack finishes, <laughs> and Monsoon says, and this is a quote in regards to Lex Luger: "This guy, Macho Man, would never sell out." <laughs> well. Well, technically, he did, he did take less money to go to the back. I mean, technically, he bought in. <laughs> that's, that's, technically, he would never sell out a major venue. Have you seen our attendance lately? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so Savage volunteers are run in there and pose Luger after the match. But you see, Savage at this point remembers that this is a tape show and he can't do that. He's sitting in a booth in Stanford. I wonder whether, like, Savage genuinely forgot where he was for a moment. He strikes you as the kind of guy that probably would get that wrapped up in it. Okay, let me ask you this. When you're 55 minutes in the watching this show for the review, do you become disoriented also? Yeah, I try and leave the venue. <laughs> Someone tases me, I have to go back in. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I keep thinking Alex, props. my good lady, is the, uh, is the ticket seller, and I just keep trying to get a refund about 55 minutes in. <laughs> I think she's polite about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, normally I get my money back. <laughs> she just ushers me into the bedroom and says, go to sleep. <laughs> You've had a long day. So on next week's show, we have Tatanka versus Jeff Jarrett, as noted. The Underfaker will be here as well. And tomorrow's the King of the Ring encore. But meanwhile, backstage, we have DiBiase, flanked by both Bigelow and Nikolai, as part of his, as part of his mission to acquire everyone who wrestled at the 87 Survivor Series. Apparently, Ron ba <laughs> forms a quite the team there. Yes, guys who wrestled on every New Jersey independent show in the mid '90s: Nikolai and Bam Bam. <laughs> Chris, I wonder if Bundy joined the group eventually. Maybe that was the shtick. Maybe he Ace, had a I could pro proud Delorean. Ace Starling was going to join the group eventually. Oh, bring that noise! Well, Luke is joining, surely. Because yeah, Lex Luger is apparently next on DiBiase's hit list. 
Luna, nowhere to be seen. We got Bam Bam, we got Nikolai, we have the Underfaker. NWO, this isn't. <laughs> this is a this is a an a nasty waste of oxygen. <laughs> oh, good one. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say instead of the Nexus, this is the Suxus. <laughs> the Lastus. <laughs> so yes, that was raw for this week. It, it felt like hour two of a taping. Can I would like to sum up Raw this week. In the form of a haiku. Alright, okay. I'm stealing this what? a little bit from WrestleCrap. Well and, uh, I'm sure they're friends like of ours, so. So, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, a haiku is a special form of poetry uh, which contains 17 syllables. So, mm-hmm. it, normally the order is 5, 7, and 5. So, this Correct. is my haiku about Raw this week. Quang! There he is, lads! Luger can tie his shoes. Oh joy! Ted and his old friends. That does sum it up. Thank you very much. Would you like to do one? Can I improvise one? Of course you can. I believe you. Let's see. Let's see here. Um, man, I can't believe I'm watching all this garbage. At least I have Tom. Yay! And you'll have Tom next week when we do this all again, baby. He is at JRH Rising on Twitter. <laughs> I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Coltaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Send your haikus. My read them. I love you, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.